I'm Greg Jarrett. I'm Shannon Bream. I'm Steve Ducey, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, October 16th, 2020. I'm Trey Ingst. World Food Day highlights the need for sustainable aid to much of the world as the battle against coronavirus continues. I think um, the pandemic has illuminated um, just how many people are living on the edge of the abyss, barely able to make ends meet, and the importance, the great importance of those workers who put their lives on the line every day by showing up at their grocery store job. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. By the end of the year, more people could die of hunger related to COVID-19 than from the virus itself, according to some experts. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Noreen Springstead, the executive director of Why Hunger? Starting first in Yemen, where just 2,000 cases of coronavirus have been officially reported. Extremely limited testing and healthcare access make it impossible to get an accurate number of infections in the war-torn country. In southern Yemen, schools reopened this month with safety measures in place. Now to Iran, that is approaching 5,000 daily cases of coronavirus. COVID-19 deaths in Iran stand at more than 29,000. Despite a surge in new cases, reports indicate government officials in Tehran are worried about reimposing harsher lockdowns due to economic concerns. Finally, in Syria, around 5,000 total cases have been reported, though the majority of testing is focused around the capital of Damascus. Russian coronavirus vaccines will soon be supplied to Syria, according to reports. Though with millions of Syrians internally displaced, the continued concern for disease spread remains the focus for aid organizations. The ongoing civil war has created a place where infection and hunger can spread rapidly. World Food Day is marked every year on October 16th. That's been going on for a long time. This is Noreen Springstead, the executive director of Why Hunger? And it's a day to celebrate food, the abundance of food. But really, it's about um, the many millions of people who go hungry each day. And that's a 365-day-a-year problem. How has this entire issue changed amid this larger pandemic with coronavirus? I imagine that issues related to hunger have gotten even worse as supply chains are affected and also just the ability of aid organizations to shift their resources and be able to help as many people as they can. You're absolutely right, Trey. Why Hunger has been at this work since 1975. We were founded by the artist uh, and activist Harry Chapin. You may remember his song, Cats in the Cradle. And there's a great documentary film about his commitment to ending world hunger out now. Um, he, He always had the perspective, and we do now, that Ultimately, to end hunger, you have to get to the root causes, and that has been the core of our work while we address the immediate food crisis through our hunger hotline and our fine food service online. um, You can imagine how much hunger has been exacerbated due to the global pandemic, specifically with the spikes in unemployment. If you're not being paid, it's very hard to uh, put food on the table pay your rent, pay your bills, make ends meet. So I think what the pandemic has shown, it really has illuminated the fragility of the food system. And just like you pointed out, it's the, it's the workers in the field, 
the farm workers who are planting and growing and harvesting. It's the packers. It's the transporters. It's the grocery store clerk. The, the illumination of just how fragile our system is, I'm sure many of your listeners can remember going into the supermarket, and it's, it's going on now as the virus surges again. Uh, unsure, uncertain if they're going to be able to get the food they need to take care of their families. And that goes on for millions of people in the U.S. every single day. So I think um, the pandemic has illuminated um, just how many people are living on the edge of the abyss, barely able to make ends meet. And the importance, the great importance of those workers who put their lives on the line every day by showing up at their grocery store job, by going into the field and picking the food that we need to eat and working in confined spaces to to pack um, the food that ends up in the grocery store. So I, I think there's been a big eye-opening moment for a lot of people. And the, the hunger numbers are up dramatically. 54 million Americans are hungry, 18 million children. That's one in four kids. I mean, the numbers are remarkable. And I think why hunger has had this continued conversation with not only the American public, but also politicians about the importance of taking care of your neighbor and ensuring that the people who you're sharing a country with aren't going hungry. But when you talk about those numbers, it really is staggering. And I think that a lot of times when we talk about hunger around the world, people will have an image of their mind uh, of maybe a civilian somewhere in the Middle East in a war-torn country mm. who is hungry. And I think oftentimes people need to be reminded that this isn't just a foreign problem. This is a major domestic problem in the United States. It is a major domestic problem that is absolutely solvable. Hunger is solvable. It's hard to do that in the middle of a raging pandemic when there's so many variables at play. But when we when we try to look at the problem, and I appreciate that you you know our history of uh, working on policy and advocacy in a way that always was bipartisan. Ending hunger has traditionally been a bipartisan issue, and we need to get back to that place because when, when people are fed and they're free from hunger, they have self-sufficiency, they have human dignity, they are living within the human right to food, and that's really what what we want to see. So I think that's incredibly important, and I appreciate you uh, pointing that out. I also want to talk about why hunger is mission in the United States, and you talk a little bit about the advocacy, mm -hmm. especially in Washington, uh, but I think that it's interesting, one of the pillars of your focus, the right to nutritious food. And how do you bring that message to Washington, basically to explain to lawmakers that their constituents are often hungry and that this is a basic human right to be able to survive with healthy food? That's right, that we, we see access to nutritious food as a fundamental human right. If you can't eat, if you're under stress worrying about where your meal is coming from, everything is compromised. Your health is compromised. A child's ability to learn, grow, and thrive is compromised. So there's lots of uh, ways to, to look at it in terms of a human rights perspective. 
I would say that one of the most efficient, flexible, responsive government programs um, that often gets, you know, has, has, has its critics is SNAP. But really what SNAP is, it's, it's what food stamps was. SNAP is there to respond in times of crisis, of economic downturn, of uh, pandemics like we're experiencing right now, in disasters. And what it does is it takes federal dollars and moves it to a local level where it actually stimulates a dollar eighty in economic activity. So one federal dollar turns into a dollar eighty because it moves through a local system. It could be a corner store, could be a big box, it could be a grocer, and it puts it in the hands of people to make sure that they have the nutritious food that they need. But in the end, why hunger's approach is really about the root causes. So we're on track to help a million people get food. Uh, in their neighborhoods through our hotline, 1-800-5-HUNGRY or whyhunger.org slash findfood. But the bulk of our work is focused on how do we build pathways to self-sufficiency, self-determination? How can we leverage this incredible um, infrastructure we've built around food charity and move it towards food justice? So not just a hand out, a hand up moving people along um, the pathway from being in a hunger crisis to being self-sufficient, employed, and earning a living wage. I think that's really um, the pillar of, of who we are as an organization and what we're doing day in and day out. You've been listening to Noreen Springstead, the executive director of Why Hunger. We'll be right back. Do you feel that the infrastructure and the pathways that Why Hunger built ahead of time before the entire country was sort of plunged into this COVID-19 outbreak helped to make sure that people who are now experiencing hunger and are new to this experience are able to get the help that they need? I think that's absolutely true. I mean, there's tremendous infrastructure, but I would never minimize the fact that there is so much stress and strain on the system. Uh, Food banks and pantries are reporting 60% increases. I, I've worked at our local pantry in New Jersey where I live, and, you know, there are long lines of cars because, you know, the whole system's been upended. You can't just go and and have a face-to-face conversation and, and get your bag of groceries. There's a whole process now. And many of those cars are minivans with kids in the back seat because they're, they're at the time in March and April, especially in the New York tri-state area where hunger was really surging, Um, They weren't in school, people lost their jobs, and they relied on this emergency relief system, which is incredibly important. We saw mile-long lines in Texas and Pittsburgh, in the Pacific Northwest, all across the country. But I can tell you, they're there, they are heroes on the front lines, but handing out food aid in the long run is not going to solve the problem. We've tried to do that for 50 years. We call it an emergency food system. It's a chronic American condition that we have not gotten to the root cause of that will move people out of hunger and into food abundance. And I guess my last question has to do with how you make people care about this issue. I mean, mm. the numbers, like I said, are really, really staggering. And when you talk about one and four, it's 
it's really it's hard to wrap your mind around there are that many hungry Americans, but yet it's still not a topic of conversation that we're covering every day on the news, for example, or we're talking about mm. often when we discuss the current state of politics and uh, domestic policy issues. So how do you make people care? That's really a great question. You know, that's one in four children who are hungry. I think for whatever reason, um, Americans react more when we talk about childhood hunger more than we talk about an adult who is hungry. But these are our neighbors. There are aunts, uncles, family members, uh, churchgoers, uh, people we see in the grocery store. It's it's everywhere. And they're relying on the generosity of people. So I believe in the great American can-do spirit. I think there are plenty of people who are extremely generous with their financial resources, with their food resources, and with their time. And many seniors have been incredible volunteers along the way, but it's been tricky because they are in a big-risk population. So people, um, you know, people can get involved locally at their food bank, at their pantry, they can give um, of donations. And we, at Why Hunger, we have seen that in the worst of times, people are actually even more compassionate and empathetic and generous because they do see that there's a lot of human suffering going on and, and we need to meet those human needs. And then we need to move beyond food aid is as the answer and get to the root causes. So I've seen it happen. I've been at Why Hunger for uh, almost three decades, and um, the American people always uh, come out and support us and, and food banks and pantries in their own towns. So uh, get involved locally, but also think nationally that this is a big problem. Absolutely. Well, I think it's very admirable work and really giving a voice to those who often don't have a voice because they're so focused mm. on just getting by and surviving. Noreen Springstead, the executive director of Why Hunger. Thank you again for your time. Thank you, Trey. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.